Thank you, Genesis Worship, uh, for leading us into a posture of uh, worship this morning. Um, and I want to thank all that are tuning in today this, uh, to join us in church. Um, if you are here for the first time, we want to welcome you. Um, if you are here, um, if this is not your first time, we want to say a welcome back and that we love you and we miss you. And we're just super grateful to be here with you today. And I want to take this time to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. I'm a father myself of two uh, beautiful kids. Um, and there's no greater way to celebrate Father's Day than celebrating the Father, right? Um, so again, my name is Simon. If you have not met me yet, I actually serve as one of the pastors here at Genesis. Um, and I'm super excited for what the Lord has in store for us today. Uh, so just a little bit about me. My wife's name is Popea, uh, and we have been together for approximately 10 years. We're actually having our 10-year uh, anniversary this coming November. Um, and while we were dating, um, she actually met me at a Christian conference where I was actually serving as a music director there, and, or should I say worship director. And she was living in Lynn, Massachusetts at the time while I was living in Bridgeport, Connecticut, uh, which is where I'm from. Um, I remember the very first time that I actually traveled up to the Boston area to come and visit um, at the time was just my girlfriend. Um, and all I had, right, this is back in 2000, all I had was a Nokia phone. Uh, for all those old heads out there, the Nokia phone, I'm talking about those old brick phones with the green screen, and all it had was the snake game on there, right? It doesn't have all these things you have now. So I remember when I was preparing to come up here to Massachusetts, I literally had to go to mapquest.com and print out, it, it, it was, I'm telling you, it was like five sheets long of step-by-step -step directions on how to get to Lynn, Massachusetts. Now here is when um, things went wrong. Instead of putting in the address to her home, I just put Lynn, Massachusetts as the destination. Uh, I didn't realize how stupid that was until I actually got to Massachusetts. So we were following the direction, me and a friend of mine, and I remember so clearly we got, we were driving through Revere on 1A, for you guys that know a little bit about the North Shore area, and once we got towards Lynn, I didn't have the rest of the directions. So I had to call Papia up and ask her, okay, so how do I get from where I am to where your house is? And I remember her saying to me very clearly, she was like, just keep driving on that road. You're going to reach the rotary. Once you reach the rotary, you know you're going the right place because that rotary is going to lead into Lynn. So a friend of mine kept driving on 1A through Revere, and as soon as we got closer to Lynn, we come to a roundabout. So we drive into the roundabout, and we drive in this roundabout. I'm telling you, we probably took four or five laps looking for a building that said rotary. I'm like, okay, the rotary has to be a building, or at least some type of building, right? So we kept driving and driving. It even got to the point where we exited this roundabout, drove around Revere, came back onto this roundabout, and just kept going in circles. I had to call my wife back. I was like, okay, so what is this rotary building? What does it look like? What's the color of it? And from there, she just started laughing. She was like, uh, the rotary is not a building. The rotary is literally the, what you're driving in circles in. Listen, from Connecticut, we don't call it rotaries. We call that a roundabout. And even till this day, I've lived in Boston for seven years, I refuse to call it rotary. It will always be a roundabout to me. And I grew, I grew so frustrated because I, I wasn't sure if I was mad at Popea for being so Bostonian and using the word rotary, or I was mad at myself because I wasn't smart enough to put her direct address into MapQuest. Now, the reason why I'm telling you this story is I want to ask you this really, really question. Uh, 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 um, hard question. I won't even say it's hard. It's just a question that I really want you to think throughout this entire sermon. Have you ever known the destination but weren't quite sure of the directions? 
Have you ever known the destination but weren't quite sure of the directions on how to get there? Or even a better question, right? Have you ever known that you're supposed to be somewhere, but you're not even sure where? That's how I feel every morning when I wake up, I have to ask my wife, okay, first of all, what day it is? And then second, where am I supposed to be? Typical man stuff, right? Now, there's a difference between destination and direction. We see that destination is the goal. That's the place we want to end up in, right? But directions is the means. Directions is the route that we choose to take to get to the destination. Now, this leads us to a, a very, the, our very main scripture today, which is found in John chapter 14. Now, if you have your Bibles, I highly encourage you guys to open it up today uh, and stay active with us. And we're actually going to start reading right in verse 1. So here we see a conversation between Jesus and Thomas. At this very point in John, we read through the, story, uh, um, we read through the book and we see that uh, Jesus makes his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. At right this very point, he's at the upper room. They just got done having the Last Supper. He's told the disciples exactly what's going to happen. We know there's going to be a betrayal. We know that there's going to be a denial. And Jesus washes their feet. So now Jesus takes this conversation even deeper and he engages his disciples in this way. So let's start with verses 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. I'll repeat that again. You know the way to where I'm going. And at this point, this is how Thomas responds. Thomas responds and says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? We see that in verses 5. Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? So we see here Jesus is talking about the Father's house with many rooms preparing a way for us. But how can we know where you are? Jesus, where is this house even located? So at this point, we see that there's a huge dependency with the disciples and Jesus, everything that Jesus did, everything that, that, how he revealed himself to them, the way that he walked, the way that he talked, wherever he traveled, we see the disciples followed him to the T. Can you imagine the kind of dependency that was built on Jesus? And now Jesus is telling him it's, it's his time to go. All sense of direction, their only direction is about to go. Now, I know for me, if I was sitting there, I would be in a full panic mode. Like, my only reference to anything in this entire world is about to go away. I would ask those very same questions, too. Where are you going? Where are you going? These are the things that we shout, whether it be out loud or even in our hearts today. Where are you, God? Where are you going? I don't know the way. Therefore, Jesus started, to ask, started the conversation the way he did. He said, do not let your heart be troubled. Now, the reason why he started that way, because he knew exactly how the disciples were going to react to him getting ready to leave. He knew, and this is exactly, this is for us as well. This is the way that we would respond as well. Do not let your heart be troubled. Without knowing where Jesus is going first, he would not be able to know or figure out the way to get there. Without knowing where Jesus was going first, he or even we wouldn't even know how to figure out how to get there. And why is that? The reason is because direction does not clarify destination. 
It's the destination that clarifies the directions. I'll say that again. Direction does not clarify destination. Destination clarifies direction. So let me ask you this question. I want you to think about this really, really hard. Have you set your destination? Don't be like me. Don't be vague and put Lynn and end up driving in a roundabout. Yeah, I'm not saying rotary. I'm, you're not going to catch me slipping. I, you don't drive in a roundabout in circles for 10 minutes because you weren't specific enough about your destination. We see this throughout the entire gospel, how the disciples clung to Jesus and really depended on him every step of the way. Without that, they would be lost. Now, when I say lost, I'm not saying lost where they end up in a place that's unfamiliar. I'm talking about the lost where they're in a place that is familiar, but they're just going in circles. That's the worst place to be. It's just going in circles in a place that you're familiar simply because you're complacent about stepping out. Now, if you're not asking these very questions of, have I set my destination in order to clarify that direction? There's probably two reasons why we don't do that. One of the reasons is that we have this attitude of indifference. And what does that mean exactly? It means that, man, I don't really care about what's going to happen in a couple weeks. I don't even care about setting any kind of destinations or goals or where I'm supposed to be. I'm simply trying to live my life day by day. I don't really care about anything other than that. And another reason is what? We simply sometimes choose our way over his way. Now, I want you to think really hard. Do you fall into any of those categories? Are those some of the reasons in which you don't ask the very question of where's my destination and is the directions being clarified? In Psalm 32, verse 8, it says, I will, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. And the, the, the honest truth is sometimes we don't even believe that. We don't even believe that God is the instructor. We don't believe that he teaches us the way to go. And we know that sin separates us from God. So it's sin's job to keep us in that cycle. It's sin's job to keep us driving in circles with absolutely no destination in false direction. And that is, that's his job. It wants to keep you away from your final destination of being in the very presence of God. Now, I remember when I was in college, this was junior year, I was at the University of Connecticut. And I remember waking up one morning, and I just felt an overwhelming uh, just sense of depression. I couldn't figure out what it was, and I prayed so heavily that night, and I just felt the tug in my heart that the Lord was telling me, Simon, I don't, I don't, I don't want you to be where you are. So literally, I woke up that very next morning, you know what I did? I called my parents, and I was like, uh, I'm a junior, I'm finishing up my junior year, but I feel like the Lord's calling me to ministry. And because I felt the clear calling to ministry, I felt like nothing could go wrong at that very point. So I literally the, 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 finished off that semester, and then I pulled out of school, and I transferred over to Nyack College, where I can finish my business degree and start studying theology. So now I'm on my high horse. I'm thinking nothing can go wrong because God's glory is embracing me. He is protecting me. But within six weeks of me being in school, I was diagnosed with lymphoma. My body started to attack itself. I was sick. I was losing weight. I could not concentrate. I tried my very best to finish off that year, but I had to pull out of school. My body couldn't do it. And back right there, as soon as I left, I fell right back into that depression. 
And instead of seeking God for assurance, seeking God for protection, the first thing I did was I blamed him. Lord, you pulled me out of UConn. I had two semesters left for my bachelor's. You pulled me out. You drove me to Nyack, and now you're pulling me out again. And I was reminded. Um, I remember speaking to my dad, and he encouraged me. In my favorite book in the entire Bible is the story of Joshua. In the story of Joshua, we see that Joshua taking over Moses. Moses has just passed away. And there's something in the story of Joshua that sits to my heart to this very day that pulled me out of that false direction in my life and back on course. And it was the very idea where God gave Joshua the instructions. He's like, Joshua, listen, I'm going to exalt you in front of all your people, but I need you to follow my directions. The Ark of the Covenant is going to go ahead of you. I don't want you to move. I want you to keep your eyes focused on the Ark. And once the Ark reaches the Jordan River, then you move. Then you move. The ark was the, was the representation of God's presence with, with the Israelites. And in my life, I didn't have any of that. I didn't have anything that represented God. And that story just reminded me, if I just keep my eyes focused on the Lord and follow his very instructions, he will do great things. And we see that in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. What does he say? Consecrate yourself, for the Lord's about to do amazing things in front of you. And that pulled me out of that depression And I was able to refocus, and I set my eyes on the destination, which is being in the very presence of God. And that became clear. The false direction is now a race. I'm not in this roundabout of life anymore. So I'm asking you that very question as well. Have you set that destination? Now, I'm going to give you a quick example. Now, can you just imagine, right, if, if, say, for instance, a good friend of mine were to call me, and he were to call me, and he says, Simon, listen, I need you to get in the car. I need you to hit 95 North. I want you to go from 95 to 128 and just get off at exit 24. I'll be there. Why would I even follow those instructions? First of all, like, you're not even telling me where I'm going. You told me to get in the car, go up the road, and get off at exit 24. It makes no sense. Why would I follow those instructions? Those instructions hold no weight because you gave me no idea what the destination really is. Now, can you imagine if the conversation went like this instead? If a friend of mine were to call me and say, Simon, I heard you broke your TV last week. Well, guess what? Best Buy is having a huge sale on TVs. So now I want you to get in your car, go up 95 North, go to 128, get off at exit 24, meet me there. I'll be there. Now, okay, now we're really talking. There's something for my personal benefit here, right? He just mentioned to me I broke my TV. There's a need there. I'm going to go. I know about this destination, and it's worse than this destination because it's based on my need. Well, you know what the cool thing about this is that my friend first recognized my need by first mentioning he knew that my TV was broke. He set value and worth behind Best Buy the destination by telling me there's a, there's a big sale. And then he gives me clear directions to get there. But what the coolest thing is, he said, I'll meet you there. That makes me feel like I'm not alone. I have somebody to walk alongside me. Now, what does that feel like? That feels like the gospel. For those who have given their life to Christ, that's evangelism, recognizing the need of your community, emphasizing the worth and the greatness of God's awesomeness, live in, live in teach directions given um, by the life of Jesus in Scripture, and simply saying, I will be there in your journey. Helping all people walk with God. That's what the gospel looks like. That's the direction we're called to live in. Now, for those who have not uh, made that decision, right, to accept your Lord, uh, uh, Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what keeps you from setting your destination? I asked you the question earlier. I asked you the question earlier. Have you set your destination? 
That's not an open-ended question. You respond with, uh, to that question with a yes or no. But now I'm asking you a question. What keeps you from setting that destination? That question, you can't answer with that yes or no. You need an explanation. And I want you to really think about that. What's keeping you from doing that? What sins in your life that's keeping you separated from God, stuck in this circle in a roundabout? Listen, if you ever felt stuck in your life, uh, felt like you're living day by day without direction, we want to encourage you to think about setting that uh, destination. That would be the very first step to having your directions become clearer. Remember, directions don't clarify destination. It's the destination that clarifies the directions. Listen, God has invited us right, into having a personal relationship with him. And as people and as sinners, instead of facing the wages of sin, which we know is death, God has given us a way to eternal life through the death of Jesus, and he's given us a way to him through the life of Jesus. And let's just make it really clear. Being a Christian does not mean that you have a life void of hard decisions, void of mistakes, or void of struggles. This is not a bait-and-switch scheme. We want to make it really clear to you. That life is hard, but here's the difference. It means that we have a relationship with God who guides us through those hard decisions, that forgives us for those mistakes, and comforts us in those struggles. And it says it clearly in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. You can't get any clearer than that. He's preparing a room in the Father's house just for us. We're not talking about a simple invitation to visit. We're not talking about a space in a quilted blanket on a couch. We're talking about a room for us. Listen, there will always be a time in our life where we feel like we need directions. But once we prioritize the truth in our lives, which is the destination, we'll start to realize that we were given directions and we are continually given directions. Let's look at the directions here. After Thomas asked him that question, here's how Jesus responded. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. You see Thomas here asking, how can I know the way? And Jesus responded saying, I am the way. There's a reason why Jesus said to Thomas, uh, you know the way uh, uh, to where I'm going at the end of verses 4. It's because he is the way. Not only that, but Jesus is the truth. And if you believe that Jesus is the way and that Jesus is the truth, you have to believe that Jesus is the life. Listen, we all are called to walk like Jesus, to talk like Jesus. Therefore, we act like Jesus. And that's the key to sharing Jesus. If we were to go a little bit forward, right? Up to verses 12 in John 14, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. We're called to live a life that Jesus lived. That is the direction. It's not just necessarily just following directions. It's living in those directions. The direction of our lives don't clarify Jesus. Let's make that clear, right? Jesus does the clarifying on his own. He clarifies it for us. He does that. But what the direction does do or should do is reflect who Jesus is. 
reflect who Jesus is. So the question that we want to ask is that, does our lives do that very same thing? If he is the way and the truth, then he has to be the life. Listen, Jesus died in order for us to live righteous with eternal life. So the question is, does our current direction reflect that? If he died in order for us to live a righteous and eternal life, does our life reflect that? Because if what we're doing and where we seem to be going doesn't point back to God, which is our destination, then somewhere we've lost sight of our direction. Somewhere there's a false direction and we're stuck in this loophole. In John chapter 14, verse 12, it said, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. But there's one more verse that puts some heat onto that as well. And that's found in 1 John chapter 2, verses 4. And it says that whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandment, is a liar. Those are some strong words. If you say that you know God or Jesus and you don't keep his commandments, you are a liar. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be categorized as a liar. If we say we know him, if we say we abide by him, then we have to keep his commandment and walk in the same way that he did. If not, we are liars. Doing as he does means keeping his commandments, and keeping his commandments means doing as he does. There's a reciprocating relationship there. Now, the biggest issue here is that what? There's a huge disconnect between the way and the truth. The way, which is the directions of Jesus, and the truth, which is our destination. There's a huge disconnect there. Directions don't clarify destination. Destination clarifies the directions. So what are some of the factors in your life that keep you from seeing and accepting this truth? Do you believe that Jesus is the Father? In verses 10 it says, do you not believe that I am the, in the Father and the Father is in me? Do you not believe that? He said that to his disciples, those that have been following him this entire time, he's asking them. Now, uh, now at this very point, we need to ask ourselves that very same question. Do we believe, do we believe that he is the Father? And you know what that means? He says, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. That means God is the destination. That means Jesus is the the direction. And now we're given the opportunity to see that the direction and the destination have now become one. So the time that we're living, if you're in the midst of that good direction, which is living the life of Jesus, now you find yourself in the presence of Jesus. That happens to be your destination. Directions don't clarify destination. Destination clarifies direction. But when those two are one and the same, we see that what? The direction has now has to become the clear reflection in the image of the destination. Our logic tells us to do different. Our logic tells us what? We got to get the directions first, and we'll worry about the destination when we get there. But at this point, our direction is our destination. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. If you have yet to make that decision uh, to respond to God's invite for a relationship, then let me ask you, what keeps you from making that decision today? You don't have to live a life destinationless. I know that's not a word, but it is today. Full of ambiguous directions, going in a complete circle in a roundabout. You don't have to live that kind of life. You've been invited by God, and he waits for your response. One of my favorite Bible verses in the world, Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. 
let's read what it says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. That, that is crazy. So you mean to tell me that now God is preparing a room for me in his house. But not only that, he comes by my crib, knocks on the door, waiting for me to respond. And whoever does respond, he comes in and eats with them. That's powerful. Listen, if you want to have further discussions of what that means, or if you have any issues of getting to that decision-making process, uh, here at Genesis, our pastoral team would love to speak to you. We would love to hear from you. We would love to encourage you. Because we would love to be part of that journey. Just as we mentioned earlier, right? The story of, a, of my friend that invites me to Best Buy, right? We want to do those very same things. We want to recognize the needs of our community. We want to introduce you to the truth and the awesomeness that is God. We want to help you discover the way, the directions in Jesus' life. And, you, and we don't want you to do it alone. We would love to walk alongside you through this. Now, for all of those that are Christians out there, I ask you this question. Have you been living a life that is a clear reflection of who God is? Because guess what? The world is tired of people that talk the talk but don't walk the walk. There's a lot of those, including myself. But the greatest gift that you can give your neighbors is your love for the gospel. So far beyond what you're saying, far beyond what you're teaching, what have you been showing? Thomas asked, Lord, where are you going? And how am I going to get there? And Jesus says it clearly. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. Period. Directions does not clarify destination. Destination clarifies your directions. We're going to be going into a time of reflection. And the question I really want us to pray and think through, whether you're sitting at home uh, in, in your dining rooms or on your phones or, um, or sitting in your living rooms, I want you to take the time to really think about this particular question right now. Does your current direction reflect your destination? I'm not asking you about the direction you want to go in. I'm asking you with your current direction today as is. Does it reflect your destination? Because if your destination is God and the truth, then you have to believe and live in the directions that Jesus is the way. Kyle and Sarah is going to be um, playing a song while we get into this reflection time. It's a song that's really, really dear to me. It's called Nothing Else. It's about dwelling in the presence of the Lord. We're not going to put the lyrics on the screen or anything because I want you to really concentrate on this reflection question. Does your current reflection, now does your current direction reflect your destination?